Good morning. My name is Thad Lanthrop. I'm the executive pastor here at CIV. I'm glad that you could join us as we are starting a new message series for the summer that we're calling Summer in the Psalms. And I'm looking forward to this series. One of the reasons that I'm looking forward to it is because a couple of years ago, I spent a summer in the Psalms and God used it to carry me through one of the most difficult times of my life. About two and a half years ago, my wife started to not feel well. She has an autoimmune condition and the medicine she was taking stopped working and there wasn't really another option uh, for medicine to take care of the problem. And so we tried a diet, we tried juicing, we tried all kinds of things to try and help her to feel better, but it just kept getting worse and worse and worse. We couldn't get this flare under control. And <clears throat> it got to the point where she ended up needing to go into the hospital in July, and she was there for, for about a month. While my wife's health was failing, there was just a lot to do for for the church. We had just been meeting online for about a year. And then in March, we found out we could meet at Celebration Park. So we were starting to meet at the park. I was in charge of that move and getting us ready to do that. And then I was also leading a mission trip that summer, along with just the normal responsibilities of church life. And then with Gina being sick, there was more responsibilities at home. We have four kids and they needed more time with me and I needed to do more to help out around the house as she wasn't uh, able to, to do as much as she normally could. And so all of these things were just piling on. And then the week she went into the hospital, I started my, my degree program for a doctor of ministry. And by God's grace and sovereignty, I was reading the Psalms that summer for my personal time with him. And I had even bought this book, which I'd never done before, haven't done since. It's a scripture journal where you have the psalm on one side and uh, a blank page on the other where you can take notes and you can underline and, and highlight and write what God's speaking to me through the psalms. And time and time again, God encouraged me. He gave me the just the right perspective that I needed to face the day ahead. On July 26th, after two and a half weeks in the hospital, trying steroids and different medicines to, to get Gina out of this flare, she had the surgery that we had wanted to avoid for as long as possible. She had that. And this is what God spoke to me about through the Psalms that day. Psalms 43 says, Vindicate me, O God, and defend my cause against an ungodly people, from the deceitful and unjust man, deliver me. For you are the God in whom I take refuge. Why have you rejected me? Why do I go about mourning because of the oppression of the enemy? Send out your light and your truth. Let them lead me. Let them bring me to your holy hill and to your dwelling. <clears throat> then I will go to the altar of God, to God my exceeding joy, and I will praise you with the lyre, O God, my God. Why are you cast down, O my soul? And why are you in turmoil within me? Hope in God, for I shall again praise him, my salvation 
and my God. What an encouragement this was to me on that day. God knew what I needed. He knew I needed to place my hope in him, the source of all hope, instead of the circumstances of Gina having surgery that day. And this is how I responded to God. I rewrote out the second half of verse uh, this, uh, verse 5. Hope in God, for I shall again praise him, my salvation and my day. And I, I, I wrote this to God. Gina's collecting me as a day. Thank you, God, for leading us to this decision. Lord, I pray that Gina would come out of this more healthy than before. Please give her a well-done and uneventful surgery. Help her to be able to be around family, church, etc. more without being sick. Our hope is in God, not the surgeons. May you use the surgeons to heal my wife. There were many reasons to worry about the surgery and be scared by the the what was surrounding the surgery. Gina was on high doses of steroids. She was also on some other medicines that, that were not good to be on going in to surgery. Her body was weak. She lost over 30 pounds in six weeks. And there was just a lot of reasons that the surgery could go poorly. But God gave me hope. My hope was in him, not in the circumstances. The book of Psalms is written in a way that it can have a huge impact on our hearts. Uh, now, if I'm going to be honest with you, until that summer, the book of Psalms, I, I didn't connect with it very well. I'd hear other people talk about how the Psalms, they, they just loved it and it impacted them. And I just, I, I, I would read it. God would speak to me through it, but I didn't have that same connection that other people would describe when they read the Psalms. Maybe, maybe you're like me in that way. But it really helps us to understand how Psalms was written to really get that connection if you're, you're not just naturally getting it like some people do. Psalms means to make music or sing praise. Most, if not all, of the Psalms were probably written uh, to be accompanied with music. They were sung by the Hebrew people. And working backwards for uh, to to how we get the English word psalms helps us to understand what what this book is about. The Old Testament was originally written in Hebrew. The New Testament was written in Greek, and the Old Testament was translated into Greek. And this is called the Septuagint. The Septuagint is the Greek translation of the Old Testament. The Septuagint is the bridge that we get from the Hebrew to the Greek, and then it helps us to get to uh, the English. The Greek is closer to the English than uh, the Hebrew is. So, psalmos is the Greek translation of, of the word, of our English word psalms. And we can see how those fit together, right? Well, the Hebrew translation is mizmor, and it's uh, instrumental music, by implication, a poem set to notes. So the translation goes like this. It's the Mizmor 
which is the Hebrew, Psalmos, which is the Greek, Psalms, English. And so the original word in the Hebrew, it helps us to understand this is a book of poetry that was set to instrumental music. So when we read it, we need to read it with that in mind. Psalms is also a prayer book for God's people. The book of Psalms is, it's complex. It's got multiple authors. There's actually five books within the book of Psalms. And the Bible Project does a great job of explaining this book to us. Let's watch the first part of this video to get a better understanding of what Psalms is. The book of Psalms, it's a collection of 150 ancient Hebrew poems, songs, and prayers that come from all different periods in Israel's history. Many of these poems are connected with King David, 73, actually, and he was known as a poet and a harp player. But there are many different authors behind these poems. There's the poems of Asaph, or from the sons of Korah, and some are from other worship leaders in the temple. Even Solomon and Moses have their own poems, and nearly one-third of these are anonymous. Now, many of these poems came to be used by the choirs that sang in Israel's temple, but the Book of Psalms is actually not a hymn book. At some point in the period after Israel's exile to Babylon, these ancient poems were gathered together and intentionally arranged into the book of Psalms before us. And it has a very unique design and message that you're not going to notice unless you read it from beginning to end. Now to see how the book of Psalms is designed, it's actually most helpful to start at the end. The book concludes with five poems of praise to the God of Israel, and each one begins and ends with the word hallelujah, which is Hebrew for a command to tell a group of people to praise Yah, which is short for the divine name Yahweh. Now, that's a really nice five-part arrangement, and it looks like someone's giving us a conclusion here to the book. So, it invites the question, does the book have any other signs of intentional design? If you pay attention to the headings of the poems, you'll notice that at five places, your Bible translators have the heading book one, book two, book three, four, and five at various points, and that these divide the book into five large sections. Now, the reason for this is that the final poem in each of those sections have a very similar ending that looks like an editorial edition. It reads something like, may the Lord, the God of Israel, be blessed forever and ever. Amen and amen. So the book has a conclusion. It has an internal organization into five main parts. And so the natural place to go from here is now the beginning to look for an introduction. And what do we find? Psalms 1 and 2. Two, which stand outside of book one because most of the poems in book one are linked to David except Psalms one and two, which are anonymous. Psalm one celebrates how blessed the person is who meditates on the Torah, prayerfully reading it day and night and then obeying it. Now, the word Torah simply means teaching, and more specifically, it came to refer to the five books of Moses that begin the Old Testament. And here, actually, the word seems to be used with both meanings in mind, which explains why it has five main parts. The book of Psalms is being offered as a new Torah that will teach God's people the lifelong practice of prayer as they strive to obey God's commands given in the first Torah. Psalm 2 is a poetic reflection on God's promise to King David from 2 Samuel chapter 7, that one day a messianic king would come and establish God's kingdom over the world, defeat evil and rebellion among the nations. Now, Psalm 2 concludes by saying that all those who take refuge in the messianic king will be blessed 
precisely the word used to open Psalm 1. And so together, these two poems tell us that the book of Psalms is designed to be the prayer book of God's people as they strive to be faithful to the commands of the Torah as they hope and wait for the future messianic kingdom. So Psalms is a collection of poems and prayers for God's people. It's showing God's commands through these poems and prayers, and God uses the prayers and the poetry to connect to our hearts in a different way than if we're just reading the commands on their own. The Bible Project also highlights a couple of themes that are really important throughout the book of Psalms. Take a look at the end of this video. There's lots of different kinds of poems in the book of Psalms, but they all basically fall into two big categories, either poems of lament or poems of praise. Poems of lament express pain, confusion, and anger about how horrible the world is and how horrible the things are happening to the poet. And so these poems draw attention to what's wrong in the world, and they ask God to do something about it. There's a lot of these in the book, which tells us something important, that lament is an appropriate response to the evil that we see in our world. But what you'll notice is that lament poems predominate earlier in the book, in books one through three. But pay attention, because you'll see praise poems occasionally, too. Praise poems are poems of joy and celebration, and they draw attention to what's good in the world, and they retell stories of what God has done in our lives and thank God for it. In books four and five, you'll notice that praise poems come to outnumber lament poems, and it all culminates in that five-part hallelujah conclusion. So this shift from lament to praise, this is profound, and it tells us something about the nature of prayer. As we hope for the messianic kingdom, as the book teaches us to do, this will create tension for us as we look out on the tragic state of our world and of our lives. And so the Psalms teach us not to ignore the pain of our lives, but at the same time, biblical faith is forward-looking, looking to the promise of God's future messianic kingdom. And so Torah and Messiah, lament and praise, faith and hope. That's what the book of Psalms is all about. One of the things that God showed me as I was spending time with him daily reading the Psalms a couple of years ago was the importance of this lamenting. Lament is a passionate expression of grief or sorrow. God was there for me to talk to him about how I was feeling. I'm typically not a person with a lot of feelings. It's just that I'm not, but I have them. And this lamenting, it helped me to realize I just need to, God knows how I'm feeling. I just need to be honest with him. Let him know how I'm feeling about what was going on with Gina's health. I let him know I, I, I hated it. I hated walking through it. And I, I didn't want to be in this situation, but I didn't get stuck there because Psalms doesn't get stuck in lament. It takes the lament and it turns it back to trust in God and praise in him. And so I would let God know how I'm feeling and then I would turn it to, but God, I know you will use this situation for good. I have confidence in you. Learning to lament and then to turn that to praise is a really important thing that the Psalms helps us to figure out how to do. Psalms is a book of poetry, 
And it uses some literary devices that are helpful to understand. The first is terseness. Terseness is being concise. It's uh, poetry. It, it tries to compa- convey the message in as short as with as few as words as possible. Wow, I said that a long, in a long way for terseness. Psalm 103.1 is an example of that. It says, Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me. Bless his holy name. Short and concise statements characterize a lot of what you find in the Psalms. Psalms also uses parallelism. Parallelism is the use of successive verbal constructions in poetry or prose with cor- which correspond in grammatical structure, sound, meter, meaning, etc. You will notice in Psalms and in Proverbs that they're, they're written in these groupings. The sentences will be broken up across multiple lines and the ideas in these groupings, they build on one another. This is the use of parallelism. So when we read the Psalms, we need to read it line by line instead of sentence by sentence. Psalm 1-1 is an example of this. Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of wicked, nor stands in the way of sinners, nor sits in the seat of scoffers. So this entire grouping of words, it's a thought together. But it's broken up in a way where we can really clearly see what is being saying. It's all talking about the, the how blessed the man is. And then we get to see how blessed the man is. They don't, they're not in the council of wicked. They don't stand in the way of sinners. They don't sit in the seat of scoffers. So we see these three things that describe a blessed man. There's many types of parallelism that we find in the Psalms. Uh, there's synonymous parallelism, which is similarity between the lines of the poem. The synonymous parallelism uh, can happen over two lines or over four lines. And an example of a four-line synonymous parallelism is found in Psalm 19.8. It says, The precepts of the Lord are right, rejoicing the heart. The commandment of the Lord is pure enlightening the eyes. So here we see the first and third line go together and the second and fourth line go together. And this helps us to really understand what is being communicated and said in this psalm so we can dig deeper into it. It, it, It's saying that God's commands and precepts bring joy to your heart. They enlighten your eyes. Digging deeper to understand this, we it can lead us to asking questions like, okay, so what does my heart rejoice in? What brings light to my eyes? What do I light up about? Is it God's commands or is it something else? If it's not God's commands, like it's talking about here, then then what? What? Why is that? What What do I need to change or do to get excited about God's commands and to put that into action into my life? For me, being honest, my heart doesn't always rejoice in God's command. Sometimes I look at it as things I have to do instead of things that I get to do or that are going to bring blessing to my life. And so I need to grow in my perspective of God's commands, who he is, what, what he's doing through his commands so that I can look at them with joy. 
and get excited about going and doing God's commands. This is the type of thing that, that can happen as we understand the literary structure and we can dig deeper into it. It can lead us to a better understanding of what that means for us today. Some other types of parallelism are developmental. It's where the second line develops on the first line. Illustrative. The second line illustrates the idea in the first line. Contrastive. The second line contrasts the first line. And there's examples of Psalms for each of those uh, types of parallelism in the handout uh, that you have. Understanding parallelism can really help us to uncover what the authors of the Psalms are communicating. Another literary aspect is figurative imagery. This is language that uses words or expressions with a meaning that is different from the literal interpretation. Duval and Hayes put it this way in their book, Grasping God's Word, which is where I've, I've been getting a lot of, of the material this morning on the parallelism and figurative imagery. They say Old Testament poets do not write essays, they paint pictures. It's important for us to understand this figurative imagery. Most of it is easy to recognize. Some of it's a little harder, but uh, it's, it's easy to recognize like we see in Psalm twenty-two, thirteen. 13. They open wide their mouths at me like a ravening and roaring lion. The context for this verse is people talking uh, about someone. They're, they're coming at them verbally. So are the people doing this, like the lion opening their mouth at them, literally? Can you imagine a a person opening their mouth at you like a lion or roaring at you? That's not what it's talking about, right? But but what it's talking about, it's using this image of a roaring lion to, to talk about the intimidation and the fierceness and the... Uh, attacking that somebody is is doing towards them. They're opening their mouths at me. They're verbally attacking me. That helps us to understand what's going on in that verse. Another example, Psalm 42.1, As a deer pants for flowing streams, so pants my soul for you, O God. Is the author, author saying that his soul is literally panting? I don't know what a panting soul is. I, I don't know that I've had a panting soul. He's not saying literally panting, right? Like a deer. But he's saying like a deer pants for water when they're thirsty at a stream. That's that's what I'm like for you, God. I, I want to get to know you like that. I want to be in your presence. I want to be. I want to know who you are. These are really helpful literary devices to understand. Now, an English lesson just broke out in the middle of church. You probably weren't expecting that today. But these are important things to understand because they're going to help us in the rest of this series to really understand how God's using the Psalms, how it's written, how he can speak to us through it. And it takes work to understand God's word sometimes. Proverbs 2, 1 through 5 says, My son, if you receive my words and treasure up my commandments with you, making your ear attentive to wisdom and inclining your hearts to understanding, yes, if you call out for insight and raise your voice for understanding, if you seek it like silver and search for it 
As for hidden treasure, then you will understand the fear of the Lord and find the knowledge of God. Fear of the Lord and the knowledge of God, that's where the good life is. It's a life of contentment and joy and peace and love and all that is good in life is found from God, the creator. It's not a life that's free from trouble, but in the trouble, God gives us all that we need. We need to learn how to seek out God's commandments and store them up in us like looking for treasure. That's what Proverbs is talking about here. There's that figurative imagery again, and it helps us to to see what we need to do. When people search for treasure, they take tools with them, like this guy on the beach. He's got his metal detector. He's got a shovel. He's ready to search for something good on the beach. We also need to learn some tools for finding the treasure in God's word. So we're going to look at five steps that are going to help us with some questions that are tools for us to use and look at a couple tools that we can use to really dig into God's word and understand what God is saying to us through it. And it's really amazing how God works because this book that I'm I'm talking about or I got these steps from is called Grasping God's Word. And I, I've used it a lot for this message. And I read this book about two years ago. And I read a lot of this book on July 26th while Gina was having her surgery. I was catching up on some reading for my Doctor of Ministry degree program. I didn't know that on June 4th, 2023, I would be speaking a message and talking about how God spoke to me through Psalm 43 and then using the book that I was reading for my classes to be a help to others. But God did. And what a comfort that is. God knows what we need in the moment, and he'll provide it for us. He also knows what's going to develop us and get us ready for the future as well. So take a look at these steps. And and if you have the handout printed out or you can pull it up and the steps are on the handout as well as Psalm 43. And so you can uh, go back and forth and, and look at, okay, how can we use these steps to really dig in to Psalm 43? These steps go with this picture. You can see the one, the two, the three, the four, the five on the picture, and they correspond with the steps. The first step is grasping the text in their town. What did the text mean to the biblical audience? The Bible was written a long time ago, and it helps us to think, okay, what what was life like for them back then? That helps us to get a better understanding of what they're talking about. The next step is measuring the width of the river to cross. What are the differences between the biblical audience and us? This river includes differences like culture, language, time, situation, and covenant. All these things factor into, okay, there's this river between Bible times and us. And so we got to figure out how to cross that. So what, what was different going on at the time? Step number three is cross the principalizing bridge. What is the theological principle in this text that can help us get over that river and then to be able to apply it into our times. Step four is consult 
the biblical map? How does our theological principle that, that we figured out, how does that fit with the rest of the Bible? Are there other verses in the Bible that say similar things or that would be helpful for us to look at, to understand what God's saying to us through this passage of Scripture? And then the last step is grasping the text in our own town. How should individual Christians today live out the theological principles? Taking these steps, it's going to help us to better understand God's word and then apply it to our life. It, it can seem like a daunting task. You can think, I don't know what life was like in, in the biblical times back then. I don't, I don't know all the differences. I want to encourage you, start with what you do know. Start with where you're at and you probably know more than you think. Let's take a look at Psalms 43 so we can see that it doesn't have to be this daunting thing and you can work through it pretty quickly uh, if you'd like. Step one, so grasping the text in their town. What did the text mean to the biblical audience? How can we get a better understanding of the context here. The first way that we can do this is just to, to read the, the verses to get a sense of what the situation was, what was going on. It says, Vindicate me, O God, and defend my cause against an ungodly people from the deceitful and unjust man. Deliver me. So from this, we can see that the author is needing some sort of defense against people that are coming after him. Now, we could just move forward knowing that. That that just helps us to understand the context of the verse. And that's what I did on July 26th. I didn't dig anymore. I just realized, okay, there's a situation going on. People are coming after him. But I want to give a couple more tools that you can use to dig into God's Word. The first one is you might want to buy a study Bible. Here's a picture of a study Bible and study Bibles will give commentary about verses. They will also have cross-references that you can look up to see how they fit together with the passage that you're looking at. And another way that you can do this with the cross-references is through the English Standard Version Bible app. It's free. I downloaded it this week for the first time because I was trying to find a good cross-reference uh, Bible to, uh, to give to everyone. And it's really great how it works. Here's, here's the app open to Psalms 43. And you'll notice that there's these superscript letters above words uh, like the R before the word vindicate. And if you click on that, it opens up cross-reference verses in other parts of the Bible that are discussing the word or the passage uh, that we're reading. So Psalm 7-8. And 26.1 are other psalms that talk about being vindicated by God. Now, if you click on 1 Samuel 24.15, this takes you to a passage in a, of, of a scripture where David is talking to Saul and asking him, why, is, why, Saul, are you listening to these men, these evil men that are lying about me? And now you're coming after me. Unjust men are coming against David. So using these cross references can lead to us reading more Bible verses, which is that's skipping to step four. Right. Um, but it can also give us a better understanding of the situation that the biblical audience finds themselves in. 
Step number two is measuring the width of the river to cross. What are the differences between the biblical audience and us? For me, as I was reading this, um, I didn't have people slandering uh, me. I wasn't running for my life like David was. I'm not a Hebrew, um, wasn't in Hebrew culture. I have a personal Bible that I can study. They didn't have that in the Old Testament. So it's just helpful to think through some of these things. Step number three, cross the principalizing bridge. What is the theological principle in this text? There's multiple in this verse. God is where we should go for refuge. We can ask for him uh, for help. But the principle that I locked onto was Psalm 43, 5. Why are you cast down, O my soul? And why are you in turmoil with men me? Hope in God, for I shall again praise him, my salvation and my God. The principle for me was hope in God. Regardless of the situation that you are facing, hope in God. That was the principle that I could take over the bridge and then consult the biblical map. How does our theological principle fit with the rest of the Bible? Romans 8.28 says, And we know that in all things God works for the good of those who love him who have been called according to his purpose. Psalm Isaiah 41.10 says, So do not fear, for I am with you. Do not be dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen you and help you. I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. That's how you can consult the biblical map. And the last step is grasping the text in our town. How should individual Christians today live out the theological principles? For me, it was choose hope in God rather than what I see. Crossing that bridge and consulting the biblical map, it, it reminded me of verses that I'd memorized. Romans 8:28, Isaiah 41:10, And I was able to turn my worries over to God again and again and again that day. When I'd start to worry again, I'd remember I can hope in God in this situation. He will not rip me off. That is how we can use these steps to help us to uncover how the Bible applies to our life today. I'm really looking forward to doing that with different types of psalms this summer. There's different themes and genres uh, of psalms that are found uh, throughout the book. And the rest of this summer, we're going to look at a different one, different type each week. So next week, we're going to look at hymn psalms. A large portion of the psalms are set to music as hymns, and so we're going to look at one next week. June 18th, we're going to look at psalms of wisdom, and then the next week, psalms of thanksgiving, and then psalms of confidence, prophetic psalms, psalms of lament, psalms of remembrance, royal psalms. I hope you can join us for the rest of this series as we dig into the psalms. Each week, we ask that people take a next step in response to uh, the message. Here's some next steps you might want to take in response to the message this morning. First of all, my next step today is to read a psalm a day this summer while practicing the five steps to grasp God's word. Maybe you want to join us in the Summer of the Psalms uh, series and just read one a day. And trying to work through the steps and just getting better and better at it and really understanding, okay, how does this apply to my life today? 
the next step, next, next step you might want to take is download the English Standard Version Bible app and explore the cross references like we looked at. Maybe you want to dig in more that way. And then the last next step is attend the rest of the Summer in the Psalm series when I'm in town this summer. God has a lot for us through this series. He's going to challenge us. He's going to show us how Psalms is the prayer book for God's people, how it can speak to us, how it can show us how to lament and praise him at the same time. I hope you can join us for the rest of the series. Would you pray with me? God, we thank you so much for giving us the Psalms and the poetry that's in it that speaks to us in in a different way than some of the other books. I pray that you would use uh, the Psalms to challenge us, to grow in our relationship with you, to encourage us, to to give us the strength to get through each day and the perspective needed. We ask, Lord, that you would speak to us through your word. Help us to be able to take it and apply it to our life. We ask for your help to do this. In Jesus' name, amen.